Welcome to Bound by Books. I'm Sherry Hayes. I write steamy contemporary romance and BDSM romance. And I am joined today by Tina Moss. Hello. I write um, sci-fi romance predominantly, but I also do paranormal romance, which I'm dabbling back into. So they thought so I was say, out, didn't you but... start with didn't you start with <laughs> no you started with contemporary right and then no you... I, I started in paranormal okay uh, and I had a contemporary so the I had a contemporary novel that I had shelved that has since become mm-hmm. paranormal that's the newest project so yeah okay okay for some reason I was thinking you had published a as contemporary somewhere down there along the line but no no I had planned to but then I was like that Mm. doesn't make sense for me because I write all paranormal and now I write sci-fi so where I'm I'm not going the route of many genres (laughs) I'm staying in my lane so the contemporary becomes paranormal do you have any projects you're working on right now uh, I am working on a spinoff to my last novel. Um, this is the, uh, the hero in claiming his kiss, which is part of my serpent's kiss series, um, that published last year. Mm-hmm. He has three adult children. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be writing, uh, three novels for each one for each nice. of the children. So I'm working on the first one now. Uh, it's called Falling, like the working title. <laughs> oh, so I'm pretty sure I'm sticking with it, but the working title uh, is Falling for the Boss's Son. Fun. Do you have a series so, name for that spinoff yet? Um, I don't. I'm thinking I'm probably just going to stay with like the the Fallen series or something like that because I'm thinking like the the next book's cool. going to be falling for the something you know nice. type of a that's thing fun. so that's what i'm thinking so uh, you have you have something coming now the the one you said you were working on the paranormal one the one that mm-hmm. you switched over that's the one that's coming out through the yonder app right yep that's a yonder exclusive yeah i'm i'm excited about that that'll be probably i think it's slated for the end of june so we're a okay. couple months away and then I also am still in the process of my Alien series. It took a slightly longer hiatus than I had wanted, but that was just the nature of business and tax season and accounting and all that good stuff. So writing. And also I've been doing my dissertation because I mentioned it on the last podcast. Um, I am finally finishing that up after almost 10 years. So it is time to be done and to put that chapter of my life away. Because I am, I am over the the non creative <laughs> writing process. It is not nearly as much fun as writing about some smutty aliens or werewolves. <laughs> I was going to say, I I I can say that uh, from what I remember about being in college, yeah, no, it yeah. it's definitely not as much fun to write a uh, research paper than it is to uh, yeah. And I started, so I had finished. Uh, my grad degree, my master's degree when I was 23 and I started back in my PhD program at 30. So mm. <laughs> that was a, that was a little bit of a difference little, and I've been doing it part-time um, for this little. long. So that's why, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm over it very much. over. I it. <laughs> can imagine that you probably are. You probably yeah. are. Well, today we're, we decided that we were going to talk about the different types of publishing that mm-hmm. are available to authors because um I think there's a there's a 
there's some misunderstanding into what qualifies as what. Yes. Um, we talk a lot about indie and we talk a lot about um, trad or traditional. Um, occasionally, small press gets thrown in there. But there are so many different nuances to all of those things. Yeah. Especially nowadays, because there's not used to you were either, you know, first of all, you were either you were traditional or you weren't Mm -hmm. published. Mm -hmm. Then it was you were traditional or you were indie. Mm -hmm. That was it. You you didn't have, you know, you had to pick pick a lane and go in it because traditional, if you went indie, traditional wouldn't touch you. Um, and you know. There was so many limited opportunities with indie, so most people were trying to go traditional unless they couldn't go traditional. Um, and then small presses came on the scene, right? <laughs> and and now we've got now we've got all these hybrids, and we've got um, even things like Yonder and Radish mm-hmm. and all of that. So there are so many different options out there for authors these days. Yeah, and the way this really came about is we were talking, and I. As I do sometimes, I tended to start to ramble a little bit about City Owl Press is my company's publishing model. We are a small press and it is so the misconceptions about how small presses run um, made me realize like this is a topic we have to talk about because I think a lot of people have some too good understanding about traditional. And obviously, if you're an indie author, there is a you know, plethora of things to learn about self-publishing. But a lot of people, I think, have misconceptions about small press, what it is, how it works, and each small press essentially can work on a different model. So they, so that's how we're going to like deep dive into the different types of models today. And we'll we'll kind of start with, um, you know, what the one end and go to the other. Let's start with traditional. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's where everything kind of started. Let's start with traditional. Um, there are now five. Yeah, I always uh, forget if it's the big four or the big five now. I feel like we're constantly like yeah. who's buying out who is always seems to be on the table. So yeah, what well, yeah, there's five now because mm-hmm. they block the um the legal blocked the uh the merger of Simon and Schuster and uh was it Penguin Random House? I can't um, remember. I think so- that's who it was. So random, random penguin, as I call them, did merge originally. They first they were right. uh, penguin and Random House merged, and right. then they were trying to buy out Simon and Schuster. Right. That's so that's the one that was blocked. That's the one that got stopped. So it was yeah. it was potentially going to be the big four, mm-hmm. but now it, it is still the big five, right? At least for the foreseeable future. Um. So the. Let's talk about some of the advantages of mm-hmm. going traditional, um, because I know in the indie world, we are always talking about the disadvantages mm-hmm. of going traditional. But let's talk about some of the advantages. Um, the biggest advantage that I have always saw with traditional is that you have an easier time getting into bookstores. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, <laughs> I mean, theoretically, but I mean, I, I from a yes. whole, from a, from an from the overall perspective, it is easier going to be easier for you to get into a bookstore if you are traditionally published for sure. Just be, just because, even today, having a trad publisher name behind you does still carry weight mm-hmm. with a lot of bookstores, especially 
the bigger bookstores like Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, they just yeah. look like, oh, you're published with, you know, XYZ. Yeah. XYZ. The, and know. the reason be- behind the the easier to get into traditional uh to bookstore traditional bookstores is that they have print runs. So a print run versus your print on demand. Most uh small press and indies are going to do a print on demand model, meaning that for every copy that is sold, that is when it's printed. And the two biggest for them are Ingram and Amazon for your print. There are others that you can use, but those are kind of the two biggest ones that you would use to get your paperback Mm -hmm. into print or your hardcover. With the traditional, they're going to do a print run, meaning they're going to usually around 5,000 units, depending again on what your contract looks like. But let's say just on average around 5,000 units of a book. So you are, they are then able to sell those books or have to sell those books to the bookstores, whether it's regional or national, depending on how, again, how your book is sold. The, there are some drawbacks to that in the sense that you are going to get it in advance, which means you're going to get money up front. So that's an advantage also to going traditional is that there's money right up front for you. And again, the kind of average was around $5,000. That's changed. Sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 15, sometimes it's more, and sometimes it's less. I don't know what the average is currently. It used to be around $5,000 advance, which is great considering the lifespan of a book and how much you would have to do to get that. The, the mm-hmm. flip side of that is you have to earn out that advance in order to make royalties, and royalties are usually much less at a traditional publisher. Right, right. Yeah. With a traditional publisher, I have seen anything from 10% all the way up to about 17%. Mm-hmm. You usually don't get much more than that. If you're getting like even 20% royalty rate, you're, you must have an awesome negotiate. You must have yeah. awesome negotiating power because right. yeah, that, that, that doesn't tend to happen in traditional publishing, but one of the other advantages with traditional publishing, and we do get into that with small press as well, is that they are accepting the risk mm-hmm. of publishing you. They are reading your book and they are assessing it and they have some some confidence that this is going to be a marketable book for them, that they will there's a reasonable expectation for them that they will be able to make their money back on their investment with you. So that there is there is that too, which again, mm-hmm. I think does also go back to the um the confidence that these larger bookstores put in there because you do have that gatekeeper mm-hmm. there. Right. Um you do also have that with the with small presses, although again, it's not as consistent. Mm-hmm. Because like we were kind of talking Every small press is different. Right. Very different. And they can have yeah. very different models. And just um, before we dive into the small press, I would say with traditional, you're all again, although you you are looking at lower royalty rates, you do get money up front in terms of an advance. So you kind of have to weigh mm-hmm. the difference between them and what that means to you. And like Sherry said, right. though you're not taking the financial risk. You're not putting any money out of pocket when you are publishing with a traditional publisher. Whereas if you're going indie, 
obviously you're going to have to spend money to produce the book and to market the book. So, right. So you're not paying for your editor. You're not paying for your cover designer. Right. Um, you're not paying for your formatting or any of that kind of stuff. Um, plus they're putting the book up for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you're being saved that labor from having to upload the book to all of the different sites and, um, and, you know, they, they do tend to do a little bit of marketing for you, maybe not a ton, but they do tend to do a little bit of marketing for you. So there's that cost as well. Um, and whether you're you're thinking of it in cost of physical dollars being exchanged or if you're thinking of it in actual labor, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people in the entrepreneurial sphere, whether that's authorship or not, Sometimes they forget to calculate their labor. Very true. In in terms of dollars. Yep. Absolutely. The other big thing I would say that's different between the two ends of the spectrum is traditional tends to have a much slower calendar with a much Mm -hmm. longer lead time, meaning they need a lot more time to get a book to the market than a standard indie author would. An indie author could essentially, you know, publish very quickly if they choose to. Traditional cannot because they have to have all of their processes in place, including their time for actual production. It has to go through the production line and then to sell the book to the market. So in order to, for example, to get it into Barnes and Noble, they have to go to their booksellers and they have to essentially pitch the book and why it would do well in the Barnes and Noble store. And they have Mm -hmm. obviously teams devoted to that. So their calendar is going to be much longer. Um, You're looking at a year to two years before, a year would be quickly, it would be fast. I think from what I've heard, 18 months is probably the average. Um, As far as I guess, when I was with a a small press, our time, our turnaround time was nine months. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, and, you know, from a traditional standpoint, that would be considered extremely fast. fast. But yep. from an indie perspective, it would have been considered very slow. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen indie authors finish writing a book one day and publish it the next. Right. Exactly. I mean, uh, not all of them do that, but um, I would say it's not in, not uncommon for somebody to finish a book in within two weeks though. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. not uncommon at all. Um, so, definitely. so yeah, so that could, I mean, depending on how you are as a writer and how quickly or not you want your books to come to market, the slower calendar of the traditional could be a plus or a minus for you, depending on your processes as well. Um, and then anything else for traditional that we wanted to touch on? Uh, I think we've gotten most. I think we've gotten most of it. We the gatekeepers. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've covered most of it. Um, awesome. So yeah, I think we can move on to small press. Yay! So obviously, small press is my passion. I'm a little biased, <laughs> <laughs> though. I do. I always advise authors if they can. In my mind, hybrid is the best model depending on which projects you want to do unless you are an entrepreneurial spirit and you're ready to take on your business then by far indie in in my opinion like i said there are lots of great reasons to go traditional as well this is just my thoughts on it so small press can range from medium-sized presses which 
everything's called small press, but there are medium sized presses as well. And independent presses that are not considered part of the big five, but that do have more traditional calendars to them. So an example of that would be Harlequin. Everybody kind of forgets that Harlequin is actually a small, I put that in quotation marks, press. It's an independent publisher. It's it's not part of the traditional publishers. Um, Entangled is one of the, the larger ones that I can think of as well. And then they're, they run the gamut in size and from what they take on from nonfiction to fiction and all of the different genres. But for a small press, the thing to remember is that it could look very much like a trade publisher or it could look very much like an indie publisher. There are some small presses that don't put out print at all and just do ebooks. And there are some small presses that will do ebook, print, audio, all of it. Um, so it really is very dependent on who you go with. I can give you the example and what brought up our conversation to begin with of how we run at City Owl. So with City Owl, we do a mixture in our catalog. So we can bring a book to market as quickly as five months, and it could take as long as 13 months. But we typically don't go over 13 months unless our editorial calendar is full for a particular editor and there's a particular editor that wants to work with a particular author. Otherwise, we tend not to go over that. Um, but our average is, like Sherry said, right around nine months or so. That's I think that's fairly typical for a majority of small presses. Um, but the tradition, I think a lot of people come to a small press with traditional ideas in mind. So remember too, that most small presses don't offer advances. Most small presses don't do print runs. Um, again, depending on their market and what they're looking to produce, you can get print, but it's usually going to be print on demand and you can get audio, but it tends to be sold to audio publishers or if the company is set up for that producing in-house. Now, Sherry, you said you had some experience with small press. What was that like for you? Um, well, my experience evolved over time. Uh, when I first started with the small press, they were a brand new press. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I think I was within the first 10 authors that they published. Mm. So um, it was, um, I mean, it was, a. I really enjoyed it it was definitely an evolution uh they definitely honed their editing skills as things uh kind of progressed um as far as that goes but my experience was really um was really good um i liked having uh, you know an editor and that you know i had an editing team that i was mm -hmm. assigned to so i i worked with the same editors all the time which i really really liked um and I was really happy with how things kind of flowed. And at the beginning, actually, we only had a three-month turnaround. Oh, wow. But That's it, incredibly but fast. It, but again, I was one of the very first, first authors. authors that they had. So as I took on more authors, obviously, that lengthened out to a nine-month process, which was fine, which was fine. Um, especially since I got to keep my editors and stuff like that. So that was, that was nice, but it evolved from being a very small press to being kind of like a small mid-sized press. Mm -hmm. Um, 
for the sole reason that they were the original publishers of Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm. And they're the ones who sold Fifty Shades of Grey to Penguin Random House. Got it. So they were able to basically dump a lot of money back into the publishing house and um, kind of revamp things and all of that. So, um, but I will say I almost liked them better when they were smaller. Smaller. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that Um, makes sense because a lot of that with a small press, I think people are looking for more of that, you know, intimate experience of having somebody that you can you know email late or a text or whatever and have that connection that you're just not going to have at a, at a corporate company which is what traditional mm-hmm. is uh as a press grows i would agree i'm experiencing that with our own company there is definitely growing pains associated with it and changes to the nature of a company when you start to to get bigger and take on more things so i could totally see where that makes sense but some of the advantages I would say of small press is that if you like indie, the idea of indie publishing, but it's very overwhelming to you and you don't want to become your own business, small press is a nice way to go because you get similar royalty rate, well, higher, much higher royalty rates than um, traditional publishing. Obviously not as high as if you would have done it on your own, but you don't have the financial risk. You end up with um, an editorial team, like Sherry says. If it's a company like ours, then you will get input on your covers. You'll get input on your blurbs. You know, you're you're working kind of like very connected with a team of people who mm-hmm. really care about your book. If it's a good small yeah. press, that's what. Yeah, they- that, that was that's probably the the one thing I do miss mm-hmm. about being with a small press versus being indie, um, which I am now. I'm completely. 100 percent um self-published um but it is that um that team mm-hmm. it's being you know if if you're stuck on something or if something just isn't quite making sense you have this team that knows you and they know you're writing because they've read everything that you've published and then and you can say hey you know I- i'm thinking about doing this you know what do you think Mm -hmm. and you know or i don't know i'm like stuck here you know do you think that that i should go this direction or that direction it you know or just sending it something to them and then being going like yeah i don't think so like that just doesn't sound right you know (laughs) whereas if you're indie man you if you didn't you better have some good beta readers because if you don't Mm. you don't have honest beta readers you could put out some really crappy stuff Mm -hmm. for sure though and the so one thing I would say with with small press, also with traditional, is be very careful of what rights you are giving to oh gosh, yes. any publisher. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you're not indie, you are giving up certain rights. So, for example, when my company first started, we only asked for ebook, print, and audio. Because ebook and print, we knew that we could market, and audio, we planned to sell. As my company has grown, we now ask for foreign rights and commercial media rights, which, which includes film TV. And the reason why we do that is because we have agent partners that sell those rights. So we're we're able to at least attempt to sell the rights to for film TV, media, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, we didn't have that infrastructure, so we weren't able to do that. 
But that doesn't mean that companies won't try to do that, right? <laughs> if if they don't have the ability to actually try to utilize the rights, because let's be real, not every book is going to be made into a movie, right? Not, not every book is going to be sold into audio. So you want to make sure that whatever contract you're signing, that they are going to have the ability to be able to u- utilize those rights in a way that makes sure that your book is at least being attempted to be sold and to have those rights utilized. Um, because like I said, there's many companies that will just make a rights grab, including some traditional, and not plan yes. on actually acting on them. So you, yeah. you want to ask them their plan for acting on those rights. Yeah, I would say, I mean, traditional or uh, anytime you're signing a contract, traditional, small press, it doesn't really matter. I mean, this this applies outside of authorship, obviously, but um, especially with authorship, mm-hmm. just because you are talking about intellectual property here, yep. um, you want to make sure that you have a lawyer look over any mm-hmm. contract that you sign um, because there could be one line in there that you don't think is a big deal but legally it's a huge deal Absolutely. and you could be signing over your rights in perpetuity, mm-hmm. which happened before. I, I know I've mentioned this in the podcast before there was a small press. They don't exist anymore. And they had their authors um, sign over their rights in perpetuity, which means they yeah. signed them over forever, forever um, and forever and ever and ever. And the company ended up going under but the these authors did not get their rights back. Yeah, they had rights. to go to court yep. to sue the owner of the company to get their rights back. Um, even the, even though yeah. the you know the books were taken off for sale because the company wasn't in business anymore, um, they still their books just went away. Language, because, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, because they they didn't own the rights to them. They had given mm-hmm. their rights away. So, so that's yeah, kind of like the danger it, part and the, the red flaggy part on mm-hmm. the, on the flip side, the good side of signing um, traditional or small press, if they have the ability to be able to act on those rights and if they have a plan mm-hmm. in place to do so, then it is a great thing because it is much harder for indie authors to be able to capitalize on things like audio because of the expense behind it, foreign rights because of the the networking connections you need to do, or if you decide to do it yourself, then you have translation costs. And of course, film TV is always the the juggernaut of of things um, Mm -hmm. that you need more connections for. So if a press is connected to those different markets, it can be very valuable. There are some presses that just specialize in sub rights, um, some small presses that just do the subrights portion. So if you're indie, you can also look into that as an option. There are some agents that just uh, sell subrights. So I think it's very important to think about what you want for your books and if subrights are important to you. And again, that includes audio, foreign, and film TV, also some, some media stuff we'll talk about, then it's worth exploring. Um, because there's also all of these new types of markets that <laughs> Sherry and I were talking about. Um, in mobile apps. So the traditional kind of serialized books, if you think about Wattpad is probably the number one that comes to mind, but there's also Radish, Vela, now Yonder, 
um, and, a, and a slew of others like uh, the Kiss app through Crazy Maple. Um, so there's a lot to navigate in terms of these other rights, some of which will fall under ebook and some of which will fall under gaming. So again, mm-hmm. and gaming would be a subright. So things things that can get very tricky very quickly in, in the subrights world. Sherry, yeah, I did, mean, they, did you have any serialized sense. books? Anything you serialized? Um, not in the traditional sense. No, I mean my um my Finding Anna series is a serialized series. Mm. Um, it was originally written that way, um, because it did start off as a fan fiction. So I initially wrote the first. The first two books, I initially wrote them chapter by chapter. Wow. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but again, it was it was kind of I wrote it before that became popular. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. Of I course. mean, that, <laughs> I know it's one of those things about having been in the publishing industry for a while now. It's like, oh, yeah, I did that before it was trendy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. um. I mean, so yes, yes or no. <laughs> I mean, I've, yeah. I've done it, but not in the things. I mean, looking back at it now, I was like, mm, I could have done that, but right. it wasn't available back then. I mean, Radish wasn't even a blink on the radar mm-hmm. back when in because uh, my first Slave, which is the first book in my Finding Anna series, that published in um, 2011. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, that was that was a while back then. So I would say, though, with with those kinds of platforms, the nice part of that is some small presses will be very tapped in and have the connections to those platforms and able to put your book, if that is a direction that you're thinking about going onto those platforms. But on the flip side, Indie is also very able to do those things as well. You can Mm -hmm. tap into those different markets. So let's jump into Indie, which is is your wheelhouse, Sherry. What do you think about being an Indie indie publisher oh <laughs> gosh um it well again it has di- its advantages and its disadvantages the advantage is uh for sure the control mm-hmm. um you get to decide how often you you publish you get to uh, decide the when the where um how long your book's gonna be all of that stuff literally every detail you get to decide you get to decide the cover that you want on it if your cover isn't working you can very easily just change it mm-hmm. um your blurb you get to pick the front your title yeah the blurb yeah. yeah if you put up a blurb and the blurb just isn't working uh you can just go in there and within a matter of seconds you can change your blurb mm-hmm. um on the platform so very very easy whereas if you're with a publisher you have to jump through a few hoops. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure even at City Owl, if somebody, if an author comes to you and says, hey, I really want to change my blurb to right. my book, it's not like they can just send it to you and then it's just like, oh, I'm, we'll put it up for you, you know, in the next hour. No, right. it's going to have to go <laughs> to an editor and the editor is going to have to look at it and your yeah. marketing people are going to have to look at it and then, then it might go up. Right. Depending on if something needs to be changed or not. So it's not as simple. But uh, there's also uh, disadvantages as well. The um, One of the big disadvantages for me 
is I don't have somebody kind of breathing down my throat <laughs> saying, are you going to finish that? Are you going to finish that? Are you, right. when, when are you going to finish that? <laughs> um, so um, because my life is crazy and it's sometimes it's easy for me to like go ah, deadline, schmedline, you know, <laughs> it'll, you know, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, um, which isn't really good um, as far as that goes. Um, the other uh, the other big disadvantage is obviously the cost, mm-hmm. um, the actual dollar cost, um, not just the time, but the actual dollar cost, because you are shelling out for the editor. You are shelling out for the cover design, for uh, the formatting, whether you're paying somebody else to do it or you're investing in um software or Atticus or, or, or even learning how to do it like if you do mm-hmm. something like word you still have to put in the the time to do it yeah it's all the risk all the reward but all the risk yes, so you, yes. you have both yeah and the the advantage to you know doing the risk like you said is the reward because mm-hmm. you you know you're you're making 70 percent royalty rate off of amazon right you know versus like we were talking earlier about it with traditional publishing you're making like a 10 to 15 percent royalty rate Mm -hmm. so that's a huge difference but you've also sunk in how many hundreds of dollars to publish that book Mm -hmm. so and for whatever you do and i'm just gonna put this out there because I just have to because it's a pet peeve of mine. Please, for all that's holy, if you are going to indie publish, please have your book professionally edited. Mm-hmm. Please, please, yeah. please, please. And I think it's it's uh, fair to say, too, like, I know that a lot of people who indie publish will say, well, I can't afford an editor. And I do sympathize with that and understand. So if you cannot afford a professional edit, my best advice would be, first of all, you better really hone your skills on self-editing. That's number one and kind of non-negotiable. I think everybody should do that anyway. Um, but the second thing is there are some ways that you can do it if you have other skills that you can offer. If you have mm-hmm. design skills or formatting skills or even writing skills to an extent, if you wanted to ghostwrite or offer up blurb help or whatever, you can swap things with, you know, others in the industry. You can do payment plans. You can do you can utilize beta readers like crazy. Just get as many beta readers as you can. And then if you put it up without it being professionally edited, as soon as you can get it professionally edited, do that. Because I do agree with Sherry mm-hmm. that the value in an editor is there's almost no price that you can put on it because you have developmental, you have copy, you have proofreading, you have, you know, different eyes on different things. Mm-hmm. And it does it does make a difference in the quality of your stories for sure. Yeah. And and I think that's the thing. And if in fact it's, you know, if you're confident in your story and you really just don't want to go this other route there is always this small press option Mm -hmm. that you can go with you know i mean it's you know it's the middle ground and yeah it may not be ideal for you for you know you may really want to go indie but if it's a choice between putting out a quality book or not putting out the book at all 
wouldn't you yeah. rather put out the book and have equality? Because I actually had a um a a lot an author who she published her first book. She couldn't afford to have it edited. And as soon, almost as soon as it got up, she started getting a bunch of one-star reviews. Aww. And it was all, all of it was editing. It That's had nothing to do with the story. I mean, in fact, the, the reviews pretty consistently said, you know, decent story, but the editing is horrible. Yeah. You know, or it needs edited, it desperately needs an editor, whatever. And it's like, you're only, you're only hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. and your author brand if you do that yeah so you have to look at it are you going to put the investment in the monetary investment in to have the edits done the professional edits done or are you willing to give up some of that to a small press mm-hmm. in order to get it because the thing is is in the long run was there really an advantage to publishing a book that was poorly edited? Mm-hmm. Because they're not, it's going to get low low ratings. Amazon and Barnes and all the 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 retailers are going to see that they're right. not going to push that book. Therefore, Especially if it's your first book, like right. especially like you. I mean, I don't think I know of any author who published a first book or who could publish a first book without an editor. It, it would, I I don't know of anybody, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I I don't want to put a barrier to publishing on a financial thing because at the end of the day, hiring an editor can be expensive, but Sherry's absolutely right. There are other options that you have besides just putting the book up unedited. The other thing Mm -hmm. is, Again, honing those skill, honing your editorial skills is so important because even if you go to the traditional route, trying to get an agent and then to a publisher or the small press route, um, it's hard. It's hard to get published. Depending on the small press, if it's a newer small press, you you have a better shot, but then you take the risk of it being a newer company. If it's an established mm-hmm. small press, um, I think our acceptance rate is around 3% of all the queries we receive. And that's probably on the high end. Um, So you also have to consider that Mm -hmm. when you're submitting, you still, even if it's not, again, you don't have to hire a professional editor to submit, but you have to get it to your book to a condition where it is presentable to submit, where Mm -hmm. an acquiring editor or agent can see the book and the book's potential um, and know where to go from there. So yeah, so the the indie, so there are some of the you know pitfalls of the of the indie side as well. I think every single type of publishing has both pros and cons, and it's really dependent on who you are as an author and being really honest with yourself about your skill set and about mm-hmm. what you want from your career. Yeah, what are your expectations, mm-hmm. and and how comfortable are you in your personality? How how important is control? You know, having total control of your career to you. How um you know how important is it for you um to you know be able to um dictate little details like cover and blurb and you know other things like that. How how important is that to you? And 
what are you willing to monetarily invest and time invest into achieving said goals? Exactly. Because all of those questions will help to decide whether or what what option is is best for you to pursue. Right. Um and it's going to be different for everybody. I mean, it just is. There's yeah. there's not one option that's going to be like, yep, that that's the perfect option for every <laughs> single person. Um yep. Because it's not there's there's just not there. So. And it, it's also allowed to change. It's allowed to change as you grow in an as an author. It's also allowed to change per project. There might be some books where you're like, wow, I really want to do this all myself. I love this series. I want to put it out mm-hmm. there my way. And there may be some that you're like, you know what? I would love to try to get this on a Barnes and Noble bookshelf. Well, mm-hmm. if that's your goal, then you're going to have to try the traditional route. We have some authors who are on Barnes and Noble bookshelves at a small press, but they are our best-selling authors. They've, you know, have a lot of books out and they are regionally shelved, meaning that they are in their local Barnes and Nobles in their region. They are not nationally mm-hmm. sell, uh, shelved at this point. So thinking about what's important to you, are you good with your book being in indie bookstores? Very doable as a small press um, or, or an indie author. So again, it's more about determining what your values are and what you want as your career as an author. If your just goal is like, I want to make as much money as possible and I want to do it my way, indie is your goal. If your goal is I want, mm. you know, national shelving in a bookstore, well, first you better get an agent. You better make it clear what you want when you're on submission to traditional houses, because unfortunately, Every book that comes out traditional does not automatically mean it's going to sit on a Barnes and Noble national bookshelf. So knowing those goals, understanding yourself, that's kind of where you'll end up. Yep. Yep. I think that's a good place to wrap things up today. Hopefully we've kind of helped clarify um, what the different options are as far as publishing and if you have any questions for us that we didn't answer today, Um, Feel free to leave a comment below, whether it is on YouTube or you're listening via one of our podcast sites, and we will uh, be happy to answer that in a future episode. Yeah. Till then, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.